0: burden that's on people's shoulders, no, we talked about the yoke, the burden that's on people's shoulders, the yoke that binds us down. This morning, we want to carry some of that thought right on, except we're going to look at it from a little bit different standpoint. Last Sunday, we, we preached out of Isaiah chapter 10, verse 27, that says that, so in that day, the yoke, the burden will be removed off your shoulder. And the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. And I believe God did a work. I know that in my life, excuse me, there's a progressive work going on. And, uh, you say, well, well, Pastor, as long as you've been doing this, you hadn't arrived yet. Oh, no. I hadn't got there. I'm still pressing on towards the mark of the prize of the high calling. And still a green tomato so that I can grow. And, uh, so, Anything that's on me, I want it off of me. But folks, I want us to understand we live in a day and a time when it seems like demonic activity is stronger and more prevalent than it's ever been. And you say, now, Pastor, I didn't come to church to hear about demons. Well, I'm sorry you're at the wrong church this morning because we're going to talk about some of that kind of stuff. you see, there's a there's spirit, uh, evil spirits and that creates attitudes of lethargy. And, and what I mean by that, that creates attitudes of where people get to the point to where they're almost like, well, what's use? What am I doing? I'm just spinning my wheels. I'm not making any progress. It feels like that I'm going up a hill and every time I take one step, I slide back two. And, you know, and demon spirits... Have an assignment. Let me tell you something, folks. God has a plan for our life. Aren't you glad that He does? See, so He said in Isaiah, I mean in Jeremiah 29, 12, I know the plans that I have for you. Plans to do you good and bring you to a hope and expectation. So, God has a plan for our life. But I want you to mark this down and understand this. If you're taking notes on your bulletin, and you ought to be doing that, because i got the place set up there for you. But if you're taking notes, let me tell you this. Satan has a plan for you also. Mark my word this morning. Satan is set to do everything he can to come against you in any way that he can to keep you from progressing with the Lord and even cause you to back up. Uh, There's a word that's used for that. A lot of people don't like to hear that word, but it's called backsliding. And, And folks... Say, I don't know if I believe in this backsliding or not. And usually folks that don't believe in backsliding are the ones that backslid. Because I'm going to tell you something, folks. We can allow things in our life that separates us on our part, not from God. Now, God, God's right there, and God is pressing in. Understand that. But know this, too. God's not going to make you grow spiritually. He's not going to pick you up, and we said this a lot of times, spin the top of your head off and pour in all of this spirituality and poke it on down to get it in your spirit, and then spin that back on and set you out there and say, looky here, you're a mature Christian. Now, I, I wish it would be that way, but it's not. And Satan is set out to try to keep any spiritual growth from your life to keep you from moving on with God like you need to, and even to the point that some of us, I almost said some of y'all because I want to put myself in that. Some of us get to the point to where at times it just looks like we've grown cold and the things that we used to enjoy the Lord, we don't enjoy those things anymore. Things that we used to do for God, we don't do those things anymore. Prayer that we used to make time for, we don't do that anymore. Reading the Word of God like we used to, we don't do that anymore. And folks, when we get in that kind of a situation and that kind of attitude, we have... we have backslid in our part from God. We're not able to enjoy our, a relationship with the Lord because we've allowed too much to come between us and our Father. Those song of the church was nothing between my Lord and my Savior, a soul and my Savior, nothing of this world's elusive dreams. But yet we've allowed things to come into our life. And we need to, we need to realize that. Let me tell you, I I say again, Satan has a plan for your life. I sort of veered off there. Uh, It was just a little rabbit, okay? (laughs) But listen, and, and Satan's plan is not to bless you. Understand that. It's not to do you good. The thoughts that Satan has towards you is to do you evil. It's not to help you. It's not to encourage you. But Satan has set out to steal, kill, and to destroy. Now, I heard a preacher say this just this week, that Satan's assignment on this earth, and I thought, whoa, 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 whoa. God has never said to the devil, now look here, I'm all good, you're all bad. So I'm going to allow you to do all the bad, and I'll do all the good. No, no, listen. Because that he rebelled against God, it just came natural for that guy to steal, kill, and to destroy. It's not his assignment. That's just what he does. That's that's the thing of it. It's sort of like a hummingbird. Do you know a hummingbird don't have an assignment to hum? They just hum because they fly. Right? Now, hummingbirds are not devils, okay? Don't, Don't think I'm getting to that, because uh, they're, they're beautiful. They're God's creature. But see, I'm going to tell you something too now. People say, well, you know, back in that day, maybe that's the way it was. Satan's plan has not changed any more than God's plan. You're reading it right there. God's plan has not changed. And Satan's plan has not changed. He's going to steal. He's going to kill. And he's going to destroy. And we need to, folks, we need to wake up and begin to realize that this is what he does. Let me tell you, Satan sees our actions. He hears our words. There's a lot of big debate about Satan being able to read our mind. Now, I, I don't know that he can so much, just any time, anything, unless we just open completely up to it. Now, he can plant thoughts in our mind. That's the reason Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 that we're to bring every thought into captivity. And if if every thought we had was a God thought, we wouldn't need to bring it into captivity. We need to let that one run free. But when they're not God thoughts, they need to be clamped down on. They need to be brought into captivity. And He sees your actions. He hears your words. And He determines your motives. He's cunning. He's crafty. He's slick. He's a wheeler-dealer. If you don't believe that, look what He did to Adam and Eve. Cunning. The first mention, Let me before I get to there, our warfare is with spiritual wicked forces. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12. Let me tell you something. Our warfare is not with our family. Yeah, but you don't, no, 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 listen. I'm telling you, we do not wrestle against our family, our fellow man. Now, that's what most people do. If something goes wrong, they take it out on people. But we need to, we need to go back further than that and understand the influence behind that. And wrestle against that influence. Now, I may not be saying the word wrestling like you do. I say it like I said. Okay, y'all know I got a little bit different way of saying it. <coughs> the way I say it's WWF like. <laughs> no, <laughs> but he said in Ephesians six twelve, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual host of wickedness in the heavenly places. That's, that's where it our, 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 our is. Now, but one thing that I, I feel that happens is so many take that verse and take that first phrase and that's as far as they go with it. For we do not wrestle. I just don't have i just don't want to get involved in this fight anymore i've given up in the fight i've lost it all i i don't i'm not where i need to be with god so i just i'm not gonna I, the devil has buffaloed me he's put fear in my life but i want you to know folks fear is a liar fears of the devil and and we sang that song amazing grace and i thought about that hey, amazing grace that that taught my heart to fear. And that's talking about reverence God. But then the next part of that song says, and grace my fears relieved. We don't have to be afraid of the devil. We don't have to be afraid of his work. Why? Because we have an armor. If you read Ephesians chapter 6, beginning in verse 10, we have an armor that God has given us. We have the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness. We have our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. We have the Word of God. We have the shield of faith. We have the sword of the Spirit. And folks, we have prayer that we can go to. And you say, Prayer? Yes, I'm telling you, you'll never win a spiritual battle without learning how to pray. We need to know how to pray. We need to pray. Jesus told His disciples when He went in the garden with them. He said, he in, Matthew, in the book of Matthew chapter 24, I believe it, He said, pray, watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. He said, because the Spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And folks, if we live in a time when when people are walking around in, in weak flesh and, and weak commitments, it's this day in which we live. Now, that's mm, revival preaching, y'all understand? Right. It's pretty good preaching, even if it is revival preaching, right? The first mention of the devil in the Bible is in Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, and he's presented to us as a serpent. It don't say, the devil came to him. The serpent. And it said he was more subtle. He was more cunning, crafty. And that's the devil. You know, folks going to tell you, that serpent was no doubt beautiful. And you've got to understand this. Satan is not running around in a red suit with a pointed tail sticking up and a pitchfork ready to gouge you with. If He was that way, we could see Him, couldn't we? No, He's not that way. He's, he's cunning. He's beautiful. He's deceptive, just like He was to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. But you know, you fast-forward that on over to the book of Revelation, The last, not the the last time, but close to the last time we see Satan mentioned in the Bible is in Revelation chapter 20, verses 1 and 2. It says, Then I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold of the dragon, that serpent of old. And that's referring directly back to Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, that serpent in the Garden of Eden that old serpent, that serpent of old. And it said that who is the devil and Satan and bound him for a thousand years. And and we don't have time to get over into the prophetic part of that. But I'm telling you this, folks, he's going to be literally bound then, but we can bind him in the Spirit today because Jesus said, I give unto you the keys of the kingdom. And whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. We have the power over him. Jesus gave us that power. Luke chapter 10 verse 19. The disciples had gone out and they come back saying, Oh, even the devils are subject unto us through your name. And Jesus said, Wait a minute, let me give you a history lesson. I saw Satan fall as lightning from the sky. In other words, he said, I was there witnessed whenever he came up against Father God and he wanted God's glory. He wanted God's crown. He wanted God's place. He wanted God's position. And God said nothing doing, and He cast him out. And according to what we understand in Revelation chapter 12, He pulled a third part of the angels with Him that became what we know as the spirits. Jesus said, I saw all that happen. He said, listen, and I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions. Serpents and scorpions talking about the devil and demons and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing. Everybody say nothing. I like this part of this. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. These spiritual things, folks, that are designed by the devil himself to come against us and hurt us, God said, listen, take my power, and in my power they can't come against you and stand against you that way. Hallelujah. Mm. Acts chapter 16, that's where I want to go to this morning. All of that was introduction. (laughs) I handed Bo my scriptures and I told him, I said, this is from a 15-minute message. He said, yeah. I said, maybe I hour 15 minutes this morning. (laughs) What I want to talk to you about for the rest of the time this morning, ever how long it takes, everybody say ever how long it takes. We'll be okay, Pastor Namas. <laughs> in Acts chapter sixteen, we have the story of where Paul had come in to Philippi. Now let me let me give you a little little background here. They were they were in one country. Paul and Silas. They're on the, this is Silas's first missionary journey. Paul's second missionary journey, and. So that night as Paul prayed, the Bible says that a man of Macedonia beckoned and said, Come over here and help us. So they went over into Macedonia. Now in Macedonia, in that area there, there's a town called Philippi. And Philippi was known in that day for many different uh, gods that they worshipped and things and spirits. And it was also known as a... Soothsaying city. Now, you know what a soothsayer is. That's somebody that uses the spirit of divination to speak out things. Many times, curses that they would speak out. Somebody would come and pay them, and they would speak a curse against somebody. You say, does that kind of stuff work? Yes, it does. You'd be surprised, folks, about curses that are spoken. Can, Can I tell you this? you'll be surprised about how many times that you have spoken a curse. Because when you speak things about someone that's a lie, or you speak things to hurt someone, or you speak things in in an attitude and time of gossip, that can turn into a curse that will affect that person. But anyway, they was going out every day by the river, and Paul was preaching. And people were getting saved. A woman named Lydia got saved. And, and so uh, she brought Paul and his missionary team into her housing complex and so they could live there. But chapter 16, verse 16, starts out this way. Now, it happened as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl, King James says, damsel, possessed with a spirit of divination, met us who brought her master's much profit by fortune-telling. You say, now what's this got to do with you talking about Satan being a serpent? I'll tell you. I'm glad you asked. If you were to go home and get your uh, Greek concordance, Strong's Concordance, and you can do it on your electronic thing right here, but you wouldn't be able to listen to me preach while you do that. But anyway, this term divination comes from a Greek word that's translated Python. And this... Spirit of Python came from the, one of the acts of the god Apollo who came down to a certain temple where they were worshiping the python. And, and, and what they would do, they would find these big pythons, they would put them in the lower part of this temple, they would pour some kind of acid on it, and it would eat that. And, and the fumes from that would cause the practitioners of this divination god to get high and hallucinate, and then they would come and talk that this stuff they saw while they were hallucination was the the truth. You say, well, that sounds bad. But anyway, according to what we understand, they believed that Apollo then, when he killed this one, this goddess that was over this, and destroyed the python, that he became a python from the waist down. And so the spirit of divination, of, of divining, of soothsaying, came from all of that. Now, folks, I'm going to tell you something. This is the only place we find in the Bible, in the New Testament, where now there's, there's evil spirits referred to, there's spirits of infirmity referred to, but this is the only time we find a name given, a spirit of divination or spirit of python. Now, I want us to think for just a few minutes about how a python works. Now, you know a python's a big snake. Big and there's different kind of pythons and and of all the snakes there is and I hope you're not squeamish about me talking about snakes because we're gonna we're gonna see his defeat and that's the good part of it isn't it but of all the kind of snakes that there are there's snakes that bite you and insert venom into you and that's the way they kill and there's others that just show themselves and you die with a heart attack. <laughs> That's most any of them for some of us, isn't it, or some people. But then a python is a crafty kind of a snake. And what they do, they will lay in camouflage or hide in camouflage until their prey comes by, and then they will lurch out of their coil and grab them with their mouth, but not to the point of killing them because there's no venom in there. But they will then take them and begin to coil around that prey and they would begin then to suffocate that prey. Now, now, folks, I'm telling you that this is going on in this last day. Satan has found out ways and means to begin to choke us down to keep us from being everything that God wants to be. He, he's choking your home. He's choking your finances. He's choking your relationship in your family he's choking your job relationship to where that everything just seems bad and it's just so hard to get up and go because it's such a struggle every day it's such a struggle to go it's such a struggle to get up it's such a struggle uh uh-uh, to to get together with your family it's such and it gets to work it's such a struggle to go to church because he he chokes people down now i'm gonna tell you something else it's not an instant death either it's not instant. That python will call itself around its victim. And every time that victim exhales, it'll get a little tighter. It'll get to the point to where that victim is not even able to breathe anymore and they die from a lack of breath. And let me tell you what Satan's after. This python spirit is after your breath. And when I say breath, I'm talking about our spiritual life. I'm talking about our spiritual existence. I'm talking about the Holy Spirit that He wants to choke out of our life. In the Bible, many times, the Holy Spirit and breath refer to the same thing. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God. And when God made Adam, He breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And that's what Satan is trying to choke out of us, is that spiritual breath of life. In John chapter 20, verse 22, Jesus stood in the room. He appeared after His resurrection with the disciples. And and when He had said, He said some things to them. And it says, when He said this, He breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. So Satan is after your spiritual breath. And your spiritual breath represents your spiritual life. And he's desiring to choke you down to where you're absolutely no use to yourself, you're no use to your family, and you're no use to God in any way whatsoever. You say, Pastor, you're painting a terrible uh, uh, picture today. Well, I'm sorry that it's that way. But let me tell you something, folks. I see this in so many people. I see this in, in, in some folks in our church. And can I tell you this? I've experienced this. I have. I have got to where that I was just going through emotion. I'd get up, and I'd go read the Bible, and the first thing in the morning is I'd, you know, mind's clear, go read the Bible. I'd read the Bible and I'd lay it down. i said, say, what did I just read? And i have to go back and read it again. And, and I'm going to tell you, like I said last week, if Satan can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. And all of us are busy. That's our society. Our society is a busy society. Most of all of you work. You work. You have children. There's activities, school activities, sport activities, there's church. There's so many activities that Satan gets us bound in to where that we're not able to do the things that we need to do for our spiritual existence, which is the most important part of our life. Your spiritual life is more important than your husband or wife. Because what good are you to them if all of a sudden you're not serving the Lord? All of a sudden, you're not praying for your your spouse or your children anymore or your brothers or your sisters. Why? Because you don't have time to. We've got to run here, run there, do this, do that, and go, 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 go. I'm determined. I made a determination this last week in studying this. I, I said, Lord, I'm preaching to me today more than anybody else. And I made a determination. This boy's slowing down. I'm My priorities are going to begin to be again what it needs to be. Can you remember in your lives just a few years ago let's, just, let's and some just think about this just a few years ago, how you used to enjoy reading the Bible? How you used to enjoy the things of God, enjoy church, and it wasn't it wasn't a drudgery to go. You was up and you was there, and you was there early and meeting people, and you stayed around late to talk to people, and you you really got into the word, and, and every now and then you'd even raise your hand during praise and worship, or or, or the pastor'd hit a good place, and you'd say Amen. You remember those days? Oh, I thought I was at the wrong place there for a minute. <laughs> For a minute, I thought I was a... No, no, no. You say, well, I want my life structured. I want my life structured too, but let me tell you something. A python never breaks the bones of its victim. Do you know why? Because that broken bone could gouge that python as it swallowed it. And it could could actually kill that python if there was a broke bone in that victim. And and he squeezed it just enough to get the life out of him without breaking its bone. Satan don't care what kind of structure you got. Satan don't care what kind of structure we have in the church. He don't care whether we have, I mean, just every layer of structure going on down. It don't matter to him one bit in That's not what he's after. He's not after our structure, folks. He's after our spirituality. He's after our prayer. What kind of church is Satan after? What does it say in the Scripture in, in Acts 16, 16 here? It says that when we were going to prayer. When we were on our way to prayer. Satan's after a praying church. And I can remember when we had more praying going on at our church than what we have now. We have to, you know, we'd have Wednesday at noon prayer time. And we'd have a good many people show up. Now that most time it's three. Sometimes we don't even get to have it. Why? Because we get too busy. Yeah. Pastor, don't show up for prayer time. Then there's prayer before church. And we find it struggling to even pray in church during a service, except let it be a formality. Has Satan choked prayer out of our life, out of our homes, and out of our church? See, this damsel... She was following Paul. This, this spirit of divination was following Paul. And what they were saying was true because uh, she was saying, oh, these are servants of the Most High God and, and they've come to tell us the way. They've come to give us the truth. But what she was doing was interrupting what was going on in their life. Well, wasn't that so, Pastor? Yeah, the devil will tell you things It's so. But things that are so, that's said at the wrong time in the wrong situation don't need to be said. You say, well, everybody likes a compliment. Paul didn't recognize it as a compliment. He recognized it as a hindering spirit that was trying its best to hinder their prayer life. Satan wants to hinder our prayer. He wants to choke out the gifts of the Spirit in our church. And if we don't understand that he wants to choke out the gifts of the Spirit, when the Spirit of God starts moving, there's a clamping down, and that's, that's Spirit of Python that don't want anybody to ever speak in tongues or give an interpretation. We don't want a prophecy. All of that stuff is not for us anymore. All of that stuff is the Word of God, people. It's in the Word of God. And he's never said at any point in time, uh, we don't need these things anymore. Let me tell you who said we don't need these things anymore. That's that spirit of Python that's trying to choke out the miraculous move of Almighty God. See, let me tell you something about the gifts of the Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit are not to glorify the one that's being used in the gifts of the Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit are to glorify Jesus Christ. And they're a method that He has chosen, the Holy Spirit has chosen, to minister to people's needs in a supernatural way. Not a paranormal way, but a supernatural way. Supernatural, giving a message to someone that has never learned that language, but yet the Spirit moves and and then... Uh, they they give a message and then there's an interpretation or there's a prophecy. We get choked down about the gifts of healing, that healing thing. You no, know. listen, I'm talking about something supernatural, not mine and your doings and not in our ability. The Word of Wisdom, the Word of Knowledge, the Word of Wisdom is a, more, a part of the mind of God of events, future, don't all of us want to know direction and way to go? And, and the Word of Knowledge is a, is a part of the mind of God of things present and past. Present. Prophecy. Prophecy to edify. Prophecy to instruct. Prophecy to help us as we move on, folks. And discerning of the Spirit. Every Christian person in this day and time ought to be praying, God, I pray for the discerning of the Spirit so that I follow and walk in the right spirit and not get choked down with this spirit of divination. As I said earlier, this divination is soothsaying or casting a spell. That's what it means a lot of times. And I said then, you know, sometimes we say things. And I'm going to tell you folks something. I want you to listen to me now. There have been some curses spoke against our church. I know there have been. When there's been things said, and it's been made public that these things have been said, and it brings in a choking kind of a thing down and a whole lot of other things that comes with it. You know, that python has a nest. And that lady python lays up to a hundred eggs. Think about that. Lays up to a hundred eggs. Just think about all of them running around in South Florida. I knew for some reason I didn't want to go down there. <laughs> Fish in the Everglades, no telling what you're liable to catch. It'd be more than a rash. (laughs) But anyway, when this spirit of Python begins to call, there's many other things that begin to come in. Can I tell you this? That since these curses have been spoken against our church, and I want you to know I stood and rebuked them. Things that were said about our church. You say, well, what was it, Pastor? Let, just, just follow me what I'm telling you. I don't have to spit it out. for. Many of you know what I'm talking about, I'm sure. But I'll just say that, that we're unfriendly. We don't want people coming to our church. We're closed in group, and we don't like folks. You say, well, that's silly. Oh, oh it is silly. It is, but it's serious. Because that's not us. I pray that's not us. That's not us, but those words have been spoken, and and folks I gotta tell you this, since that has happened, I've noticed things in our church is not like it used to be. Now I'm not one of those that's got to live in the past, don't get me wrong. But I've noticed some breakdowns in relationships. I've noticed some cooling down in people's worship. I've noticed some noticed people not in church. I've noticed people, you know, used to, in some of our praise and worship, we see people clap their hands and we see people raise their hand, but it just looks like that they've got to the point to where they can't do that anymore. I've stood and rebuked these things. But if you're feeling a tightness, it could be that, and you need to rebuke it also. Tradition, religion—that's some of these kind of spirits that run along with Python. That's some of the same kind of things that chokes down. Tradition—that's not the way we've always done it. That's not me. That's you know, and we can come up with every kind of excuse we want to, folks. But there's things that happens in our life. You love me, or you not love me. But we've got, to, we've got some work to do. We've got some things that we need to change and make different. He's after the praying church. He's after the praising church. And and not only that, he, he wants to limit us. Limit us. See, they, they took Paul and Silas. They bound them. And this is still part of that. Python thing. They bound him and put him in prison. They were limited. Let me tell you, Satan, Satan would have loved for Paul's missionary endeavors to end right there in Philippi. Would, would, there'd been a lot of the New Testament we wouldn't have had because Paul wouldn't have wrote it. That, that the gospel would have been snagged and going on any further. And Satan tried to limit him right there. And I, I want you to know, he tries to limit our church. He tries to limit you and your life and your family. He, he tries to limit your finances because of choking around it. And, and, and you think, man, it just looks like every time I'm going to get ahead that something else happens. And, and I know life happens, but folks, we got to realize That Satan is working every deceivable way he can to keep you from prospering in this life because God wants you to prosper. That's part of his plans we talked about earlier. And he wants you to prosper because so that you can give, so that his work can go on. He limits, it's a limiting spirit. Python wants to stir up controversy. Listen. In Acts chapter 16, verse 20, listen to what it said. It said, And they brought them to the magistrates and said, These men do, being Jews, exceedingly trouble our city. Now, now, there's two sides to this I want to talk about for just a minute. One is controversy among Christian people. Controversy between churches. Controversy between brothers and sisters in the church. I don't like them. I'm gonna stay with my little group and, and you know, but listen, controversy. He wants to stir up controversy over the word of God. He wants to stir up controversy over the things of the Spirit, and we gotta be determined that we're not going to allow those calls to get a hold to Victory Fellowship Church. Amen? And then another thing said they troubled the city. I want you to know I'm believing God for revival in our church. To where we become a troubling group of people to the devil and the devil's imps. To where they say, hey, don't go around that Victory Fellowship Church. They'll cast you out. They'll bind you down. They'll shout over you. They'll praise over you. They'll, they'll go on. And, and that we cause trouble in the spiritual realm to where that, <laughs> I know this far, away, but where all the demons leave thoughtful because they can't stand to be around here because of God's people. Amen. Stir up trouble. How were they stirred up trouble? They were preaching Jesus. Hey, if that stirs up trouble, I'm for it, aren't you? I'm not, I'm not particularly for going out demonstrating and carrying signs and all of that. If that's your thing, you do it, do it with all your heart. But let me tell you something. I believe that when we stand on the Word of God and we stand on the name of Jesus and we preach the name of Jesus, that people are going to get riled up and the devil's going to get riled up and it may cause trouble. But I want you to know today, I'm prepared for trouble. Why? Because greater is He that's in me than he that's in the world. Amen. Hallelujah. How do we get loose from this Spirit? I preached to you for about 20 minutes now about the Spirit. We're about 25, 30. (laughs) How do we get loose from it? Look here. They took Paul and Silas and put them in prison. Before they put them in prison, they stripped their clothes off of them and beat them. Now think about this. Beat them and put them in prison, bound them on their feet and on their hands. I've I, I pictured this a lot of times, and they, they didn't do it in that day, but i pictured it a lot of times, sort of like the way they would take Puritans, or, or back in the days of the Puritans and in England, how they'd put them in that stock, you know, and have their feet down here and their hands up here and their neck do that thing, and, and that wasn't the way they were. They was not in that, but they were just in chains, hands and feet bound. And it was midnight. Let me sidetrack right here a minute. Folks, we live in the midnight hour of the prophetic time of God. We live in that midnight hour. In Matthew 25, it says that when the bridegroom came at midnight, the call went out. We live in the midnight time now. And Satan's doing what he can to choke us down. They're in there. They made a mistake. I think they put them in the same cell together. And in that cell, <laughs> I can see Paul looking over at Silas and saying, Silas, ain't nothing going to steal my joy. I can hear him saying, there's an old church choir singing in my soul. I got a squeeze salvation. And it's beautiful. Now, I'm not as good as Sidney and Halley. <laughs> Just emphasis for the moment, okay? I can see them. I can just hear their voices begin to blend together and ring out. And the joy of the Lord fill that place as they begin to praise and worship God. Let me tell you something, folks. Let me tell you something that praise and worship does. And this ought to wake us up to it. Praise and worship releases the power of God. It releases the angels of God to go forth and fight our battles for us. There was an earthquake. The Bible says a great earthquake. Great earthquake. And you know, I looked in some history, and I could not find any history of an earthquake happening in that whole region long about that time. But So there was an earthquake right at that jail. See, they didn't, they didn't need the governor's house tore down. They didn't need Lydia's house messed up. All they needed was that jail shook up. And the, and the chains fell off of them. And folks, let me tell you, that, that python spirit that was bounding around them was destroyed because of their praise and worship. No doubt they'd been spending time in prayer, but because of their praise and worship, that spirit was broke off of them and they were set free. Not only them, but those around them. Think about that. When we get free, we can see people around us get free. You ought to be the worship leader for your home, husbands. If he wants wives, you need to be the worship leader of your home. Praise and worship. Your pew, your your seats that you sit on right there, you need to be the worship leader on that. You wouldn't have much trouble with that, would you? You and Michael need to start sitting together so y'all can lead each other. Oh man. You have to get out of that python, buddy. <laughs> For those listening to this tape. Wayne has an Alabama shirt on and Michael's an Auburn fan, okay? <laughs> I didn't want folks to understand what was going on. Anyway, worship leader. And we've got to make up our mind, hey, I'm in church and it's praise and worship time, and I'm going to praise Him and I'm going to worship Him if nobody else does. I'm going to enjoy this opportunity to come before the Lord His gates with thanksgiving and enter into His courts with praise. And I'm going to praise Him. And I'm believing as I praise Him that these coils of this python are going to begin to, to get off of me. Let me tell you something, folks. When we do that, we go straight to the head. Not only the head of the universe, but the head of demonic forces. You remember a few years ago, I think it was on Discovery Channel, this guy put on this armor kind of thing. And was going to allow a python to swallow him. Y'all remember that? I don't blame you. I was. I, it was. <laughs> I. I, <laughs> I don't, stupid, is not it? But he was going to prove. He was going to had a little camera and going to show this thing all together. And he come out there, and and as they was going through this thing and that python wrapping around him and, and all, and he had his head down to where the cause of his The snake's coils was around the snake's heads also, and he, the guy, he began to have fear, and yeah, and, and he began to holler hell, and they come in, and and I heard it, and you could hear him say in the tape, I didn't hear that. you could hear him say in the tape that, get, find the head, find the head, find the head, because if they could get the head and pull it off of it, they could take the coils off of it. Jesus said, I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions, and all the power of the enemy, all the power of the enemy the head. That's the devil. We have that power. You say, Pastor, you talk mighty big in here. Let me tell you, I'm learning to talk big out there too. Recognize the things of the devil. And, and you know, I, I've not got this thing mastered yet. The folks, I'm working on it. I'm tired. I'm tired of Him taking advantage of me and my family and God's people. Tired of that. Oh, I can't get in front of my family and take it. Do it in your bedroom. Do it when they're not. You don't have to be there. Hey, folks, I'm talking about something spiritual. You don't even have to lay hands on them because they're not the problem. Lay hands on the devil through the Word of God. Amen? Amen? Praise and worship. Praise and I want to. I want to end with something that. Oh, hallelujah! Glory to God. Picked up the wrong paper. Now I don't know how to close. (laughs) Amos chapter three. I just going on. God's good. Amos chapter three, verse twelve. Listen, listen to this. Thus says the Lord: As a shepherd takes from the mouth of a lion two legs or a piece of an ear, so shall the children of Israel be taken out who dwell in Samaria, in the corner of a bed, and on the edge of a couch what he's talking about right there is Israel when it looked like they didn't have any hope or have anything. And they've come through that many times in history. And those Arab nations around them would love to get them back to that same place today. But they're God's people. And he said, just like a shepherd, go out and that lion has eaten that lamb, all except the legs and a piece of ear. I looked at that, and I said, you know, folks, regardless of what your spiritual condition is today, regardless of what's going on in your life, there's hope. Because as long as you've got an ear to hear the Word of God and a leg to stand on His Word, you're going to come out of this thing. It may look like you're sitting on a corner of the couch, And Satan's about to push you off. But I'm here to tell you today, the great shepherd, the king of all kings, has already enlisted angels to go and fight for you. And he's waiting for you to come to him. Whatever it is, we've talked about a lot of things this morning. Not that we're trying to preach a shotgun message. That's not it. To cover a whole bunch of stuff, but there's a lot of things. But every one of us know today our spiritual temperature with the Lord. We know our spiritual attitude. We know where we stand with Him. We can take the attitude that I'm doing pretty good. No doubt that pray, the first time that coil wraps around it, would think, oh, this ain't too bad. But then the next one wraps. And then the next one wraps, and then every time that prey exhales, gets a little tighter, a little tighter. Today you can cast off that spirit. You can cast it off. The anointing that destroys the yoke is here today, Father.